words out loud with me. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. God detests lying lips. He delights in those who tell the truth. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Amen. You can be seated. Tells you that the Bible is hard to understand. Just read them that. I mean, if you can't understand that, man, yeah. So, well, welcome to Community Christian. My name's Jason. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And uh, today, as you can see, we are exploring together really another topic found in a book in your Bible uh, called Proverbs. And we've been studying this book sort of together for the past few weeks. It's a book of wisdom. And as Ed, uh, our senior pastor, a few weeks ago sort of kicked this series off, he, he talked to us a little bit about uh, a framework that we can view this book through, uh, what the Pro book of Proverbs really is trying to do and what it's all about. And what we learned together is that Proverbs is a book that just, first of all, teaches us about how to live wisely, how to have a, a wise life, or what a wise life really looks like. And the book of Proverbs approaches this, uh, this idea with a metaphor, so to speak. It approaches uh, life kind of like someone who is going around planting seeds. And in that culture that it was written in, it was very familiar, maybe not as familiar to us, but we can still understand the metaphor and understand what it means. Because the truth is, everybody understands this. When you plant something, that's what you get back. I, I know it's really hard to understand, but when you plant something, you get that thing back. In other words, you reap what you sow. If, if you plant an apple tree, please don't sit around expecting for it to give you oranges. It will not. You're going to get apples whether you like it or not because that's what you planted. Now, the problem isn't that we don't understand that. And the problem isn't that we don't know this is true. We all know this is true in life. The problem is we don't believe it. See, what we all think, and, and we don't say this out loud, it's just how we live. We all think that somehow I am the exception to the whatever you reap, you sow rule. <laughs> or sow you reap rule. I said it wrong, didn't I? Anyway, I'm the exception to that rule. And here's what I mean by that. You go around, I go around, and we're just planting these certain kinds of seeds in our life. And then we act shocked when we get something back that we planted. And we think, how did that happen? Like, for example, last week, Nathan taught us that if you go around planting seeds of irritation and anger in your life, why would you expect to get joy and peace back? It just doesn't make sense. Or, for example, I've talked to people who just pride themselves on being busy and active, and they fill their lives every moment with activity and stuff to do, and they, they just go, go, go. And then they sit in my office and they go, why am I so tired and stressed? I don't know. Let's just look at it, right? We reap whatever we sow, and we get shocked when it actually happens. So in that vein, we're going to gain some wisdom again today from the book of Proverbs about some seeds that you're sowing, 
And you're sowing these seeds probably more often than anything else you are doing in your life. And if you didn't figure it out from the scriptures that we just read together, we're going to talk about our words. We're going to talk about the words that we speak. Now, I'm, I know that's a pretty bold statement. You just heard me say, these are the seeds that you are sowing more often than anything else. This is the most frequent seed you sow around in your life. Maybe you believe that, maybe you don't. But if you don't, I want to try and convince you. So here's what I want to do. I want you to just for fun, turn to somebody near you, or you can just say this out loud so that you, you, you have to stake your, your answer. I want you to answer this question. How many words do you think the average person speaks in one day? Turn to somebody and tell them, tell them what you think that is. Make your guess. It doesn't take a calculator. Just guess. Just guess. All right. All right, you're stuck to that answer. Don't, don't change it, all right? So let's see if you're right. Now, some of you are probably going to Google this and probably, you know, want to argue with me. That's fine. Um, there's a lot of studies that have been done on this, but when you cut through all the studies and you kind of look at the average, you know, just sort of the generally, uh, generally accepted kind of average of what people speak, it comes down to about 15 to 16,000 words a day. Yeah, some of y'all didn't get that right, did you? Now, for context, if you think of it this way, it kind of astounds you when you think about it this way. If uh, you were to take 15 to 16,000 words and put them on a piece of paper, they would wind up being 28 pages single space. And if you read it out loud, it would take you close to an hour. Now, again, this varies based on age, it varies based on culture and, and how isolated people are. But naturally, as you can imagine, the more people you are connected to, the more people you interact with, your word count is going to go up. In fact, some study shows for people who are the most disconnected from relationships, people who are uh, really more alone uh, than they are with people, uh, that word count can actually go down to six or 7,000 words a day. So I'll let you guys argue over what the real number is over lunch. That's not the point. My point was, can we just agree that words are a major part of our lives? And can we agree that... Uh, and this is what I think the, the point of the book of Proverbs is. Whenever we speak, we're planting seeds. And we need to be wise about the seeds we are planting. Because as we said earlier, we are going to reap whatever we sow. Whatever we plant is going to come back, generally speaking. So it's important for us to get wisdom about this. And see... These consequences that come back from our words are often things that we don't ever intend to happen. It's not something like we intend to happen. It just does. It's just a part of that principle. And not just, uh, this is not just about you. you. You know this is true uh, on the flip side of this. You know that your words are changing and affecting other people. And the reason you know this is because you've experienced it. So let's talk about that for just a second. For example, some of you walked into first grade when you were little, and you thought you were just fine. You had been told pretty much up to that point in your life that you were great. And then by the end of middle school, you walked out of middle school and you felt like a loser. How did that happen? Well, maybe a teacher said something to you one day, and it just stuck. Or maybe uh, some friends or a group of friends began to say some things to you or about you. And it stuck. Or how about this? You walked into a relationship. You walked into a marriage, maybe. You were filled with hope and optimism. 
And you felt totally secure in your partner. You felt totally secure in yourself and in, the, in this relationship. Five years later, you think you're an idiot and a failure. But you're the same person that walked into the relationship. What happened? Well, they've been saying some things to you for five years. You've been hearing some things. But let's be real. It doesn't take years, does it? It doesn't take months, does it? Words that are hurtful and negative, it doesn't take long. Because, see, here's what I know. I'll bet if you and I sat down right now, one-on-one, -on -one, and had a conversation, you would tell me about some words that you still hear. They're ringing in your head. They still sit close to your heart. And they still hurt. And they still sting. A single moment. Something that got said to you when you were a kid by a parent or uh, from a teacher or from a spouse once you got into a relationship or when you became a parent, something your kid said to you. And it's just still with you. And the truth is that person, whoever hurt you and stung you with their words, they could have said 10,000 positive things since then. But you still feel it. You still hear it. And you still remember it. See, here's where we get disconnected on this. I can sit here and we can all agree and nod our heads and say, yeah, words are powerful. Words that, that, that have been said, they're powerful to me, right? Because we feel it in here. But what we do is we walk around and we don't see that on the reciprocal. We don't sit with the impact and the, and the weight that our words carry toward others. In fact, here's how I know that's true for all of us. Whenever you say something hurtful to someone and they get hurt or offended and you can see there's a rift in the relationship, what do you do? Well, you come to them usually and you say, hey, look, I, I didn't mean what I said. I, I, don't get so upset about it because I didn't mean it. And then they still are affected. They're still hurt. They're still uh, offended or frustrated or angry or, or upset about your words. And then you get angry and frustrated at them because your words didn't fix it. So let me ask you this. Ever worked for you? Has anyone ever come to you and said, hey, what I said earlier, I didn't mean that. And you went, oh, I'm done. I'm cured. I'll never think about that ever again. I feel so much better. See, we're all this way. We are very, we are very insensitive and unaware of the power of our words on other people. But here's the thing. You and I don't get to determine the amount of harm our words cause to other people. And we don't get to decide that just more words on top of that fixes it. We are not in charge of that. It doesn't magically take away the effects. I'll give you a word or a, a picture in your mind that will really help you. You'll probably take this home with you. If I were to walk out into the parking lot with you today and we were to get in our car, or I were to get in my car and start to leave and you were standing next to my car and for some reason I backed my car out and I ran over your toes. If I got out of the car and I apologized, and immediately regretted it, and I explained to you I didn't mean to back over your toes, and then I pointed out the fact that you were just standing way too close, and why were you even there? That doesn't even make sense. And everything that I would have said to you at that point would have been 100% totally true. How are your toes doing? You're still hurt, right? See, we don't get to determine the harm we cause. And our words on top of it don't fix the harm. So can we all just agree that we need more wisdom? We really need to be careful about the seeds we're sowing and the words we speak. So we're going to take a moment and do that. We're just going to reflect on the power of our words 
And we're going to think about the power of the words that have been spoken to us. Steve's going to come and lead us in that time. The Proverbs tell us that the tongue can bring life or death. And we've all experienced the power that words have to build up or to tear down. And some of the most important moments of our lives were when a parent or a friend or a spouse said the right words at just the right time. And these words brought life and they maybe helped us to imagine a life that we didn't even think was possible. Words of healing or words of encouragement that made us feel capable to be able to do more than we could ever imagine. Now, as we begin our time of prayer and reflection, would you just take a moment and just think of some words that have been spoken to you that gave you life? And maybe you can't necessarily think of specific words, but maybe you can think of a person who has spoken life into you. Would you just take a moment and thank God for those words and for the person who spoke them? Let's do that now. Words can bring life, but we all know what it is to have someone speak a, a damaging or a harmful word to us. Words that made us feel small. Words that made us feel insignificant. Words that made us feel unloved or worthless. Words that we still hear repeated in our heads over and over again. So would you take a moment and just talk to God about these words. And don't fixate on the words themselves. Instead, ask God to heal the wounds that those words left. Ask Him to speak truth to you that is louder than the lies of those words. Ask Him to remind you that you are loved and that you are precious to Him. Take a moment to talk to God about this. Now finally, would you take a moment to ask God to empower you to use your words to bring life and not death? Maybe God will bring to mind a person who needs to hear life-giving words from you. Ask Him if that's true to just open an opportunity for you and empower you to be able to speak those words. Maybe He'll bring to mind some words that you've spoken that were harmful to someone else. And if so, just ask Him to forgive you. And if you need to make an apology, if you need to make amends for those words, then just ask Him to help you do that. So would you take a moment and let's do that now.
Heavenly Father, we need your wisdom so that we may speak life and not death. Thank you for the people who have spoken life into us. We ask for your healing for the words that we received that brought harm to us. Thank you for the words of life that you've given to us from Jesus and help us to follow his example. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So let's look at the first piece of wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs about our words. And this one's easy. Uh, well, simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. In fact, all of these are simple principles, but they're not always easy. I'm going to read a few verses, see if you can pick the principle out. We've read a few of these verses already. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue. Keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. And my favorite, Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. Did you catch the principle? I remember when uh, I was a kid uh, in my house growing up, my mom hated, hated for us to use the words, shut up. Like, that was a rule in our house, you know? And I never really asked her why. I don't know why that was a big deal. for. It was just a big deal in our house. We'd get in big kind of trouble if we said the words, shut up. Maybe I should ask my mom about that. I don't know. But much to my mom's chagrin, when you read the Bible's advice, it kind of sounds like shut up. <laughs> but, but the principle is clear. If you want your words to be wise, you should probably say less of them. Because like we just read, even if you're a fool, the Bible says, right? You can come off really wise if you just shut up. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Right? Next time you're in a group of people, just nod your head a lot. Rub your chin. They'll walk away and go, wow, they're smart. Right? <laughs> it's easy. No, but here's the practical application, really. Now, here's, here's what I know about most all of us. This is a general principle, but I think it's mostly true. You can divide people into about two categories. There are the people who are really quick talkers, and then there are people who are just kind of slow talkers, right? These quick talkers, well, they are the ones who jump in on every conversation. They feel like they need to express their idea or their opinions whenever something comes into their head. They like to talk things out loud and process things out loud. Slow talkers are different. They're, they're just as smart, and they have just as many opinions as the fast talkers do, the quick talkers do. They have these deep opinions, but they often don't get heard because quick talkers can dominate conversations. You may have noticed this in your family. You went to an event, and you noticed, or maybe it's in your small group. I'm not saying anything. You just know, right? So let me talk to both groups of people because this principle, we need to, we need to apply it based on basically how we are wired up. Quick talkers, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. So quick talkers, let me just say this. God loves you and everyone else is trying, okay? <laughs> just think before you speak, Right? If you find yourself and you're one of these kind of people, maybe you want to memorize that verse we just read, Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible. Keep your mouth shut. And if you don't know if you're a fast talker or a quick talker, ask the people around you and then stop talking. And they'll probably tell you. Maybe they'll tell you the truth. You know, just say, look, am I, do I dominate conversations? You know, do I talk too much? 
And then if you become one of these people and you find that you are one of these people, you might want to just bring it down a notch. But let me say this. If you're a slow talker, first of all, let me just say, you're my people. I'm one of you, okay? Everybody who knows me knows that about me. And it's just the way that we wind up being wired up. But we need to hear the opposite. And this is true. Your voice needs to be heard. You need to raise your hand once in a while. I'm talking to myself, too. Jump into the fray, you know? Because you have important things to say, and you need to learn how to speak up. And we're going to talk about this later in the message. But maybe Proverbs 31, this ought to be your verse. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those who are being trusted. See, sometimes slow talkers need to remind ourselves that we have a lot to say, and there's a lot at stake. And you are not helping yourself. You're not helping anyone else by just trying to be so well-mannered and polite. We see it as a virtue, yes, but you could be causing someone to lose out, and you could be missing out on some good you could be doing because words carry weight. And a good word measured at the right time can be a very powerful thing. So Proverbs says, generally speaking, our words should be few. What I would say is, depending on whether you're a quick talker or a slow talker, you need to come to the middle. That's really where the principle lies. Now, if you thought that was obvious, the next principle is even more obvious. We should let our words be few, but we should also let our words be true. Proverbs 12, 22. God detests lying lips. He delights in those who tell the truth. Proverbs 25, 18. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Wow, that's intense. But the Bible doesn't have much good to say about liars. And the writers of Proverbs make, make, say to make sure whenever a word comes out of your mouth, you should make sure that it's true, totally true. This applies to what you share and discuss online as well as what you speak. You need to make sure that that is true before it comes out. But even if there's truth that you speak or you share that, that hurts, even if maybe your boss doesn't want to hear those words, maybe you still need to say them. Or maybe if your friend would just not have you mention that topic anymore, maybe you still need to say it because it is true. But you need to make sure that your words are true. And I want to say this, if you're a parent, this is huge for us. Because we know lying starts early. <laughs> You've seen two-year-olds and they know how to lie. But what, why this is so important to us as parents is we need to make sure that our kids see the consequences for exaggerating and for telling lies when they're young because you all know if that takes root in a little one and then they become a big one, <laughs> it's a long life for everybody. Hang on. If you get attached, you attach yourself to a liar in this life, whew, it's tough. But we know nobody wants to hire someone who's untruthful. Nobody wants to marry someone who's untruthful. Nobody wants to date someone who's a liar. I, this is one of the first lessons that I decided to teach my girls. I, I, I failed on a lot of lessons, but this was one that I was very clear about from the very beginning. When they were old enough to understand, I said to my girls, I have two girls, I said, look, I don't care what you've done in this life. <laughs> Just tell me the truth about it. Because the lesson that I want them to learn is, look, First of all, I said to him, I said, the consequences of you telling me the truth, no matter what it is, are way less than you not telling me the truth. I can promise you that. But I want you to understand, lying's not just wrong. Lying breaks relationships. See, you all know this. You can't have a relationship with somebody if it's not based on truth. 
and not based on trust. And so I would say to my girls, look, if you will be honest with me, with everything, you and I can deal with anything because we have a relationship. We're together on this. So I told my girls, you can always tell dad the truth. Now, dad's not going to always like what you tell him, but dad will always love you no matter what you tell him. And that will never change. But now, I know some of you get real excited when you hear someone say, you need to speak the truth because you like speaking truth. Oh boy, do you like speaking the truth. Well, hang on. I got another principle for you. You should let your words be true, but you need to let your words be gentle. The writer of Proverbs tells us a gentle answer deflects anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. And later, gentle words are a tree of life. If you use harsh, rude, devaluing, incendiary words, the outcome is 100% predictable. Tempers will flare, heat will go up, and so will the volume. And pretty soon, you'll have yourself a good old-fashioned shouting match with wild accusations, fingers pointing, veins popping, doors slamming. Sound familiar? Most shouting matches happen when a disagreement is underway. The issue is not being resolved, and so each party amps up a bit. Now they're expressing their opinions a little bit more forcefully. The volume level goes up, and each of them knows certain key words that will push the button of the other person. And as the argument is getting louder and louder, and you're getting more and more frustrated, there comes that temptation in your head. I'm going to toss that verbal grenade, and I know what it's going to do, because I've used it before. And so you pull the pin and lob that word or that phrase into the conversation, and it explodes, just like it has every other time. And then it happens again. Someone gets up from the table and they slam that door. And then there's that awkward silence for sometimes days, sometimes weeks. We've all done it. We all know a word or a term that will send someone over the edge. So what's next? Once the grenade has exploded, what do you do? Do you own what you said and apologize and start making it right again? Or do you just let it hang in the air and hope it blows over at some point? Do you just pretend it didn't happen until everything goes back to normal? Trust me, I know. It doesn't go back to normal. So is there someone you recently wronged with your words? Anyone you need to make things right with? Any of you come to church after just having said harsh words with your family or friends? Any of you have words with someone at work recently and you think, Monday morning, first thing, I've got to go in and apologize for pulling the pin, doing the damage. Because when you go back to someone, Quite often, people will be forgiving because they've messed up with their words too. They don't have a perfect track record either. So if you go humbly and you say you're sorry for the use of a word or for escalating or amping up, sometimes that's what brings you back together and you can agree to never do it again. But if you're like me, you can use some help with this. I need help to remember how to speak words that are humble and gentle, especially when there's tension or disagreement or emotion involved. So let me share with you three words that might help. When you feel like you've been wronged or someone drops the ball or there's a conflict, instead of raising the volume and accusing and pointing fingers, start with these three words. Help me understand. Honey, could you help me understand how your cell phone bill was $400 this month? Just help me understand. Son, could you help me understand why all these clothes on the floor wind up seven feet away from the laundry basket that's in the closet? You can use it at work even. Help me understand why deadlines are so difficult for you to make. Hey, 
Help me understand why the last four people I've asked you to manage have all left the company. Just help me understand. And this is powerful because it's not an accusation. It's an invitation into a conversation where we are seeking to know and understand one another. And doesn't our world need this right now? Imagine if every politician started their conversations with, Senator, would you help me understand your position on? Or if every school board meeting began with those words, help me understand. If every husband, every wife, every child, every parent started every conversation with help me understand, we could change the world with those three words, couldn't we? Help me understand. Let your words be few. Let your words be true. Let your words be gentle. And here's one more. Let your words be life-giving. The writer of Proverbs says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Isn't that beautiful? That the words you say can be like a fountain of water to a person who is thirsty. What about this? The words of the godly are like sterling silver. They're valuable. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the wise bring healing. Words can heal. Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Words can do a lot of damage, but haven't you found that the opposite is true as well? Words can be life-changing. Words can literally change the direction of a life for the better. Words can give strength to the weak and courage to the cowardly. Words can strengthen the faint of heart and put a bounce back into the step of the weary. Words can heal the deepest wounds. Words can comfort the inconsolable. Words can bless the God who gave us life. Words through worship can make heaven smile and put Satan on the run. Just words. So use them well. This is my favorite principle that we're learning today. But most of us have no idea how much power we possess just with our words. Proverbs says the tongue can bring death or life. That's a lot of power. You had no idea you possessed so much power. And when we sit with this, it's a sobering thing. And we can't take this lightly. So I want to finish by just training us a little bit better on how to use our words and these life-giving phrases. And I'm going to teach you a few of them, and we're going to practice them together, which means you're going to have to interact with me a little bit because you're going to say some things out loud. I know some of you don't like that, but I'm going to invite you to say because we're practicing our words, right? I'm going to give you some things to add to your vocabulary so that your mouth can become a source of living water rather than a, rather than a poison to the people around you. So... I'm going to invite you to say some of these phrases out loud with me, and we're going to talk about them. Here's the first one. Say this with me. I believe in you. Say it again. I believe in you. I'll bet there's someone in your life right now, if you thought about it hard enough, that this would mean the world to them if you said it. I'm telling you, there are people in your life right now who lack confidence. They feel really, really bad about themselves, and they think you feel the exact same way they feel. But you don't. The problem is, is you've never said it to them. And just those, those four words right there, I just want you to know, I, I believe in you. I'm, I'm confident in you. I, it can mean the world to them. So again, who could you say those words to? If God brings somebody to your mind, make a note of it. And say, you know, I'm going to say that to them this week. Let me give you another phrase. Say this with me. 
I trust you. Who needs to hear those words? There, there have been times when my girls had to make some really tough decisions in life. And as they get older, <laughs> the decisions just get tougher. But I've caught, I found myself in these moments when it's not a right or wrong thing, you know, and then they'll come to me and they'll, they'll ask me a question or they'll ask for my opinion. I love to give my opinion, and I do give my opinion. But at the end of the opinion, what I often say to them, and not these words, but I'll say it in some way, I'll say, you know what, I think you're smart, I think you're capable, and I know this for sure. God leads you just like he leads me. The Spirit of God is in you the same way he is in me. And I trust you to make a good decision for yourself and to lean in. And, and I believe you can do this, so I just, I'll entrust you with that. Here's my opinion, but I trust you to do what's right. So again, who would be really blessed in your life if they heard you say, you know what, I trust you? Will you say it? Or how about this one? Let's say this one together. I need you. Yeah, this one's always quieter. Let's say it again. I need you. You know the reason it's so quiet when we say that? is because this one feels like weakness. And we don't like to say that. This one feels a little bit more like being vulnerable or dependent. Because we, we don't want to need anybody. I, wanna, I mean, that's not a, even an American. We've got to be independent and strong and stand on our own. I can't need anybody. But those words would mean so much to some people that you know in your life. I'm telling you, some of you are married to someone who feels like if they dropped off the face of the earth tomorrow, your life would be just fine. And you're sitting there saying, how in the world could they think that? Because you've never said this to them. You've never given them that sense that they are needed by you. Some of you know someone, and I'm trying not, I don't mean to be overdramatic, I just know the state of our world right now. Some of you know a person who's considering ending their life. They're having those thoughts. And those words might just change their mind. To know that someone in this world depends on them, someone needs them, someone would be devastated if they were not here. And those words that would make them reconsider that thought are on your tongue. But you have to say them. And again, this feels hard to say because it feels vulnerable. Because it is vulnerable. But someone who was really wise once told me this. He said, you ever noticed how when you see vulnerability in other people, it looks like strength? But yet when you become vulnerable, it feels like dying. <laughs> it feels like weakness. We have to remember that vulnerability is not weakness, although it may feel that way. Vulnerability is strength. And it's okay to say those words. I need you. I need you in my life. Can we practice that one one more time? Say it with me. I need you. You can say that to someone in your life this week. All right, next one. Say it. I'm proud of you. Parents, this ought to be on repeat in your house. You cannot say this one enough. And here's why I know that. And you know this. Let's, let's get real. How many of you have walked around most of your life with an aching longing inside of your heart to have heard your mom or your dad say those words once? You know how that feels. You know how much it means. So let's say it. Let's speak up. 
I can tell you from experience. I have never once had either of my daughters tell me, Dad, would you stop telling me how proud you are of me? <laughs> never. But I have seen their eyes light up when I have looked at them and said, I'm proud to be your dad. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of what you've accomplished. I'm proud of the person that you are. I have sat with clients that I have counseled and seen them take steps of bravery, steps of change in their life. They've made breakthroughs in their life. And every time when I say, I am so proud of what you're doing, they sit up straighter, they smile, and they get motivated to do it again. Here's what I know. You are proud of somebody in your life. You are. When's the last time you said it? Out loud. To them. One more. Here's one other one. Say this with me. I respect you. This is a powerful phrase when there's conflict. See, when, when you, you don't know where you stand with a person and you've had some disagreement or maybe some distance between you and you're not sure how to start that conversation or how to get that road back, start with this one. Say, look, I just want you to know I, I respect you. I respect your views. I respect your opinions. And I know we differ on some things. And now I know we've got some stuff to work out. But before we even get to that, I just want you to know, I really do respect you. And I do think if you and I work together, we could come to some common ground eventually. But more than anything, I just want you to know I respect you. That'll pave the road for some reconciliation right there if you need it. And then the final phrase, and you knew it was coming. Let's say it together. I love you. The three most powerful words in the English language. I love you. And I know they were the most powerful words in the English language because some of you grew up in homes where it was hard to say those words. They just didn't flow very freely. They were just stuck behind some kind of a wall. And now because it was hard for you growing up and your parents and all your family and you just didn't say these words very much, guess what? You have now started and you've built a home where you struggle to say those words. You came by it honest. It wasn't modeled for you. But you can break the cycle. You can stop it right now. Because listen to me, of all the reasons you were created and put on this planet, this is it. And all the people that are living in your house and in your family and in your friend group, this is why they exist. You were born to love, and you were born to be loved, period. No question. And people are literally, and I do mean literally, dying to hear these words. Don't let one of them be your family. Don't let one of them be in your relational circle. So one last time, can we say it together? I love you. This practice of speaking life-giving words I have to confess something, and this is my vulnerable moment of the message. It's been a real growing edge for me. It really has, especially over the past few years. Remember I was telling you earlier about, you know, the quick talkers and the slow talkers, and I said, hey, I'm one of those slow talkers. That's just the way I'm wired up. People who know me know that. And people like us who are slow talkers, we live in our heads a lot. You know, those of you who are that way, you know, you, you think a lot, you just, you know, process a lot, you don't say a whole lot out loud, but you've you got stuff going on all the time, right? But the problem with people like us is that there's a lot of life-giving words stuck up there, and they never come out. And I don't know what, when it was, but I came to the awareness of that, that most days I walk around with life-giving, precious words in my head, 
about the people that are around me, about the people that I care about, about people that I love so much. And I just realized, man, you're cheating those people. You are depriving those people of life-giving water, and they're thirsty. And you can provide that for them by just getting out of your head and just saying what they desperately need to hear. So I would say for the past several years, handful of years, I've been really trying to work on this in my immediate family and here in my church family. I've adopted this mindset, and it has helped me. It, has, it is helping me, I should say that. It is helping me. If I think it, and if it's life-giving, and if, if it fits all the principles, then I just say it. I don't second-guess it. I don't question it. I don't rationalize it and convince myself of, oh, they don't, that doesn't matter. They won't care. It won't matter if you say it. And I just say it. And then I let whatever happens, happen. And just let it go. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not great at this. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still growing in this. I miss more opportunities than, than I, I succeed. I fail more than I succeed. You know, I'm not, I'm not even batting 500. Let's just be honest, you know. I miss more opportunities than I take right now. But I am taking more swings. And I don't want the people around me to miss the life-giving power of my words. Now, I'll just warn you. You, you try to do this, because this is what I've experienced. You're going to get some weird looks from some people. My wife will look at me sometimes and go, where did that come from? And I go, I know, it's weird, but I just thought it. And so I said it. My daughters, they still roll their eyes at me. Okay, Dan, you know, but that's what teenagers do. But so far, this has been my experience. Nobody's told me to quit. Nobody. So I think I'll keep trying. And I'm inviting you to try it with me. And then finally, this is the last thing I'll say. I thought, well, why would you preach this entire message about words that need to be said if you've got some of your own? So here's what I'll say. And I probably have to read this one because I'll just have to. Community Christian Church, you're my brothers and my sisters. I have needed you for 26 years now to help me stay on the path of following Jesus and to hold me up when I needed to be held up and to kick my butt when it needed kicking. You're all good at that, by the way. But I am so proud of who you are and who we are together. This little outpost of the kingdom of God in our county. I believe in you. And I trust you with my life and with my family's lives. And you have never once turned your back on me. Now, we've hurt each other from time to time. We've disappointed each other plenty. I'm sure we'll do it again. But I'm not worried about that because I love you. And I know you love me. Because we know and have seen what real love is from our Lord Jesus. His love is enough. He will keep us united. And his love will get us through. So we're going to focus on that love today. Steve's going to lead us.